Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I think it's interesting because as the Lord ministered to us by His Spirit last Sunday night, He mentioned to us about adjustment to our paths, didn't he? He talked about that many of us needed to make adjustments to walk on this path. Adjustments in our thinking, adjustments in our attitudes, our perceptions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he's still talking to us about our path and a threshold and a stepping across with confidence and a not withdrawing or holding back but an entering into of all that he has for us and I had in my heart to share and I pulled out my journal This is not the one that I'm currently using. This is the one previous to it. And I actually started it six years ago to the day. And so when I pulled it out to get these scriptures out, I noticed it is exactly six years since I wrote the first page in this journal. And the first three pages are scriptures. The first two and a half pages are scriptures about following the leading of the Lord. I have Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you shall go. I will guide you with my eye. I have Psalm 112, 4. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. Psalm 112, 5. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Psalm 85, 13, righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. I have these scriptures because at the very beginning, I wrote the date, December 6, 2014, building a confidence, an inner image of the leading of the Lord. And it was during this time that God had begun to Uh, speak to us about establishing this congregation. And I needed to make sure I was hearing right because this was a big step. This was a a step that I could not miss it. Amen? And I needed to have accuracy. And so those were scriptures that I would go to every day and speak out over myself and over my steps and over my uh, uh, programming my spirit to be led by the Spirit of God, programming my spirit to be a responsive spirit, to be a a spirit that is in tune with how He wants to lead me. 
And because the will of God, the plan of God is spiritual, we've got to train and educate our born-again spirit to be able to fulfill and to walk in the plan and the assignment of God. The ministry that God has for us is spiritual and it's not just a natural working, it's not just a natural doing, it is a spiritual responding and a spiritual activity that is necessary for those assignments to be fulfilled, for those plans, the will of God to be fulfilled in our lives. Amen? So as we uh, look at the ministry that God has called us to, let's recognize that each of us are called for kingdom business. Every believer has a part to play. Every believer has an assignment in the work of God. That does not mean every believer will be in the fivefold ministry offices. But every believer does have a part in what God has uh, planned in this earth. And we looked last week at some scriptures that Jesus gave us as an example, and I just want to visit them as our foundation. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 16. I'm not going to read the whole text. I want to read specifically uh, the words that Jesus said, but in the uh, the prior portion of this chapter, uh, we see Jesus taking a towel, wrapping it around his waist, and washing the feet of his disciples. And then he said to them, as we read in verses, let's pick it up in verse 13, you call me Master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And I again want to emphasize this instruction of Jesus, you also ought to. The Lord, the Master, our teacher and Lord is telling us there's something we ought to do. You ought to. Uh, and then again, we see in verse 15, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. So you ought to and you should. This is what you ought to do and this is what you should do. Now, in Luke 22, verses 25 and through 27, he also uh, speaks about the importance of serving. Luke 22 and verse 25, And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors, but you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that does serve. For whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at me, but I am among you as he that serves. That is the example that he has set for us. This same text is brought to us in Matthew 20, and there's a little more emphasis that I'd like to look at in Matthew 20 and verses 25 through 28. 
Matthew 20, 25. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And the word minister is the Greek word diakonos. And the definition is one who executes the commands of another, especially of a master, the commands of a master. One who executes the commands of another. So whoever wants to be great in the kingdom needs to be one who can execute the commands of someone else. One who can follow the commands. One who can, can carry out the instruction of the person who is over them. This definition is also the servant of a king. He who is great among you, let him be a servant. The word servant is one that is most accurate for the definition, a servant. It is a waiter, one who serves food or drink is another definition used in the original language. So we see that he says, whoever wants to be great needs to be a servant, needs to be one who knows how to follow and execute the commands of another because this assignment, the kingdom assignments, come from Jesus, the head of the church. And in order to be accurate with them, we've got to follow his commands. So the pastor receives the commands from the head of the church and then distributes and delegates the responsibilities of that command within the church body. And if anybody has their own agenda, it's going to mess up the plan. <laughs> If anybody aborts the instruction of the head of the church and decides somewhere along that delegated authority that I don't like that way of doing it, I don't like that assignment, I don't like the direction that we have to go, I think I'll just do it my way, then they are going to take it out of the, the alignment with the divine plan and by taking it out of that alignment, they're going to disconnect from the supply and the provision that's spiritually available for the assignment. The anointing is necessary for us to accomplish what we want to accomplish for God, what He wants us to accomplish. We cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. We cannot do this without the, uh, the Word of God being the boundary and the structure that we are operating in. This is spiritual, and for us to be accurate, we've got to bring a spiritual uh, activity and supply to the assignment. Amen? So with that groundwork being laid for us, let's go to Colossians chapter 4. And I encourage you to go back and watch on the YouTube channel or uh, the Roku channel last week's, uh, assi last week's message because it, um, we, we did cover a lot more of the groundwork and discussed a lot of the uh, um, patterns that were established in the Old Testament for 
the working of the ministry, and we talked about the fivefold ministry gifts uh, in, uh, in, in, with an emphasis on uh, the proficiency in the fivefold ministry gifts. Uh, but Colossians chapter 4 is the direction I'm going to um, go today, and it was what I was aiming at last week, so praise God. That's the beautiful thing about being able to come back together and to uh, just enter back into what the Spirit has for us. And I want to look specifically here at verse 17. Verse 17 of Colossians chapter 4. Hallelujah. And, and because we are here together, uh, just let it be known that Pastor Steele has uh, full uh, liberty at any time to tag me in, to tag in and, and add wisdom because I know he has ministered along these lines proficiently. So uh, Colossians 4.17 and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you fulfill it. Take heed to the ministry. So we see that every believer has a part to play, every joint supplying in the body that every one of us have a uh, assignment in the local church and the instruction here is take heed ministry is not just going to happen it's not going to automatically just uh, uh, unfold and bloom there has to be a yielding there has to be an obedience there has to be a willingness to grow in the spiritual um, uh, protocols isn't the word that I want, the spiritual um, disciplines that are necessary for ministry. And it says, first of all, that we need to take heed. Take heed to the ministry. Uh, the Weiss translation says, be diligently attending. Be diligently attending. So that's not something that's done just randomly or uh, occasionally. Diligently attending is something that you bring to uh, a, a, an emphasis daily. It's something that you are consistent in. Uh, one translation, the voice translation says, uh, I'm sorry, the Weiss translation says, be ever keeping a watchful eye upon the ministry. That's the Weiss translation. Be ever keeping a watchful eye ever keeping a watchful eye. The Lexham English Bible says, direct your attention to the ministry that you have received in the Lord in order that you may complete it. Direct your attention to the ministry in order that you may complete it. So sadly, a lot of people don't complete the ministry. It is the will of God. It is given, available for them to walk in it. And a lot of people don't because of other distractions or a lack of disciplines or areas of disobedience in their life. We want to avoid that. Amen? And so what do we do? We direct our attention to the ministry. We are keeping a watchful eye upon the ministry that we have received of the Lord. So it says, take heed number one, and number two, fulfill it. Yes. Take heed to it, and then I need to walk it out. Right. I've got to remain faithful to it. I've got to stay the course. I've got to hold my hands to the plow. Amen? Because 
It is not a sprint. This is not just a one time or one year or, or one season. The ministry is a marathon. It is a continual uh, uh, race that we're running. It is walking it out step by step. It is growing and progressing in the assignment that God has given me because it doesn't all just come to being in one moment. It's something that's supposed to flourish. It's something that is supposed to grow and to bloom in our lives, a continual blooming of the blessing in our life. Amen? Amen. And so when we recognize this, we don't get in a hurry. I remember what the Lord spoke to us. Actually, He... Not to be in a hurry. And He told me in, in, in two different... Uh, uh, words. One of them was something that Annie Durant said, and she was a, a woman who came to minister uh, that first year that we were here in this building, and uh, she had traveled as uh, an assistant uh, to with the Rama Singers and Band, and had ministered with Brother Hagen and and helped him in the the prayer school and the healing school. And one of the things that she said to me is that the timing isn't as important as the order. The timing isn't as important as the order, that, that we do things in the order that God gives us. But the Lord had given me a dream, and in that, in that dream, um, I had a horse, and this horse had been locked away in a stall, and I, had, I came to, to the stall, and the horse had been locked up in the stall for 30 days, and it was emaciated, and I had grown up with horses, you know, as a, a young teenager, and so I loved horses, and I thought, Lord, I would never, uh, I would never neglect my horse. I would never do this to my horse, and I was so upset, and I was so sad, and in the dream, my husband came and said, you've got to try to um, revive the horse, and uh, in, it, when I woke up, I knew exactly what it meant, because God had spoken to me about co the congregation here in Little Rock, and I had taken a step and, and spoken uh, to uh, my pastor about it, and I just left it there. And I had not done anything else because I thought that was what I needed to do, and I didn't follow through doing anything more. And so when I, when I woke up, I knew exactly what that dream meant, and I knew that I needed to obey God where this congregation was concerned. And so... Uh, we began to make the preparations and we found the meeting room in the La Quinta. And the Sunday before we were scheduled to have our first service, I was in the Kansas campus in prayer meeting and the power of God came on me. And it was interesting. I, was, I, I pray in a corner and I was standing in the corner and there was a, a, a puddle under where I was standing because I had cried big, big tears, and I was laughing. I was laughing and crying at the same time. So I, I couldn't tell if I was joy, joyful or sorrowful, but it was, it was, I was crying and laughing. And as I was there experiencing the presence of God, I saw a vision. And in the vision, I'm seated on a horse. And Jesus is standing in front of me, holding the reins to my horse and handing me the reins to my horse. And uh, he said to me, I, at, at that moment, I knew it was the horse I had seen in the dream. 
that was emaciated, but now it was healthy and vibrant and alive. And in that moment, the Lord said to me, this is not a racehorse. This is a workhorse. This is not a racehorse. This is a workhorse. And it was after that that another uh, instruction of the Lord came and said not to be worried about being in a hurry, but to be accurate. And so um, those instructions of the Lord, that, that recognition of this isn't about being in a hurry and hurry up and get it done so I can say, I did that, but it's, you cannot get in a hurry or you will miss things that God desires for um, you to be accurate in. You cannot be accurate in a hurry unless you're very practiced. <laughs> you can't, if, if you get in a hurry, you'll miss something. If you get in a hurry, you'll, you'll, you'll step, you'll, you'll, you'll try to, you'll try to uh, let me skip that step and do this and skip that step and do this which takes me back to what the lord said that first year we were in this building and this had been a year and and probably two months since we had started where he said it's not important how fast it's important that you put it in order that you get the things in order so i can't skip steps you can't, you can't rush something growing. You can't look at a three-year-old and say, hurry up and be 16. Right? That's not going to happen. It, it requires them to go day by day by day to grow. And, and, and Miss Gloria says, no, don't hurry up and be 16, where Lily's concerned. Uh, we, you can't skip the, the necessary growth in ministry. You can't skip in your own personal walk with God, in your own personal development and spiritual growth. You cannot just skip through levels to try to get to one level and say, well, now I've reached it. If you missed levels, then you're going to have to go back. Amen? Amen. You can't just say, forget uh, the multiplication and the division and expect to know what you're doing when you get to algebra. If you want to have proficiency in algebra, stick with the multiplication, stick with the division so that you can do them in your head so that you become so proficient with them that you can do them in your head because that's what's going to make algebra easy. And if you would have asked me at seventh grade if I ever thought, I would say out of my lips that algebra easy in the same sentence. <laughs> but, you know, it's those steps that I missed. And so when we're looking at this and it's telling us, keep a watchful eye, direct your attention to the ministry that you've received in the Lord. First Timothy chapter 4, and let's look at verses 12 through 16. 1 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 12. Let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 
Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them. Underline that in your Bible. Mark that some way. Give yourself wholly. That goes back to what we saw in Colossians. Keeping an ever watchful eye. Directing your attention. Take heed to it so that you can fulfill it. It says give yourself wholly to these things so that your profiting may appear unto all. Give yourself wholly to these things so that your profiting may appear unto all. And he's talking to Timothy about ministry. He's talking to him about ministry. It applies to us in our walk with God, but it also applies with the assignment that God has for our life. That there are some things that we have to give ourselves to. That there are some things that we have to commit ourselves to in order for us to walk out the plan of God for our life. That we, we commit ourselves to those areas, those disciplines, those times with God, those uh, 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 following through with those areas that He deals with us about. We commit, we give ourselves wholly to them because we want the profiting of God to appear in our life. We want to have the progress of God uh, in our life. Hallelujah. The Weymouth translation says, habitually practice these duties and be absorbed in them so that your growing proficiency in them may be evident to all. Hallelujah. Notice the things that he was telling him to be an example to the believers in word, in behavior, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, purity, giving attendance to the word in reading, exhortation and doctrine. So that's talking about focusing, giving your attention to the word of God and to the spiritual impartations that you've read. Received. It says, no, neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given you by the laying on of hands. That's talking about an impartation that's been received. So he's, he's saying, There's, you're, you're equipped, but it's going to take you becoming skilled with your equipment. Yeah. You, you've got everything there, but you've got to work with it. You've got to practice it. You know, Michael Jordan didn't just grow up one day and grab a basketball and say, look what I can do with this basketball. He spent hours and hours and hours with a basketball in his hand. A person that can sit down at a piano and and play a a a a work of Beethoven with by memory did not learn that yesterday. They sat for hours and hours and gave themselves wholly, completely, committing themselves to becoming one with those keys. Hallelujah. When we recognize that the greatest and most important thing I can do with my time is in the kingdom. The greatest, I'm going to show you something. Revelation chapter 14. I'm I'm just going to tell you a, a key to your future joy. Revelation 14. If you want to be in heaven and be like, thank you, Pastor Michelle, for telling me this. 
I'm so glad you told me so I had time to get this under my underway. Revelation 14, verse 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Everything you do for God is going to be going with you to heaven. Your works are going to follow you in. Hallelujah. Your, your obedience to the plan of God is going to be, you're going to remember every step of obedience. It's going to be in, on your record every assignment you fulfilled, every ministry you followed through with whether it's ministering to the children, ministering in the usher team, ministering on the parking lot team, every obedience and fulfilling that you did for God is on your account forever. It is an eternal work that you're doing when you're ministering to the saints. And not just a preaching of a, a behind the pulpit, which that's a part of it for those who are called to that. But everything we do... Brother Richard, just go ahead and give God glory because every faithfulness to be back there behind that camera and behind that computer, it's on your heavenly account. And when you go to heaven, you'll say, thank you, Lord, I was faithful and I have something to show for what I did on the earth. Because there are going to be a lot of people who love the Lord who are going to get there and have nothing on their account because they spent their time on things that have no eternal value. The Bible says that the house of God is the most important place on earth. In the book of Isaiah, it says the most important place on earth is the mountain of the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. We are here tonight in the most important meeting taking place in the city of Little Rock. Hallelujah. One of, where, wherever we're meeting together in Jesus' name, that's the most important thing taking place. There may be people who are having governmental There may be people who are having law enforcement meetings, and they might be important, not as important as what we are doing here in the kingdom business meeting. Praise God. And that assignment, that eternal assignment, he has entrusted, he's counted you faithful, putting you in ministry in his kingdom. That's why David said, it is better for me. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. A doorkeeper. Hallelujah. He said, there's honor in the greeters department. There's honor in the greeters department. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to be in the finest tents with the finest food and the finest uh, draperies and accessories. I would rather be right here. Why? Because this is where, you know, Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom was a man. And when the Ark of the Covenant was being brought back from where the Philistines had had it and sent it back and they, Uzzah had reached out and, and the breach of the Lord came against Uzzah, the, the Ark of the Covenant, the nearest place was the house of Obed-Edom. And Obed-Edom was a Levitical priest. 
He was in the, the lineage of one who was supposed to be working in the, the house of the Lord. They brought the ark of God, which represents the presence of God, into Obed-Edom's house. And word got back to King David about the blessing that started taking place in Obed-Edom's life, that Obed-Edom had such blessing and good things happening for him because the ark was in his house. So David said, we've got to get the ark of God back in the city. And he established the worship and he he got the the scrolls to find out what's the correct way to transport the ark here. And he brings the ark in and he sets up the 24-hour worship around the ark of God. And do you know where Obed-Edom is found after that? He's found in the choir. He's found in the greeters department. Obed-Edom said, I'm going to stay where I know the blessing is. We see Obed-Edom and his children serving in all of these different areas because they discovered this is the place for the blessing on my house, for me to be in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. And we recognize and give ourselves to the eternal assignment that God has given us, giving ourselves wholly to it. Now, the profiting, I want to look at this. He says, so that your profiting may appear unto all. I think the Amplified says, so that your progress may be evident. We should be making progress. We should be making progress. If we're giving ourselves to the ministry, there is evidence in the progress. Amen? Amen. Now again, not everybody's going to necessarily have a, a, a five-fold ministry office, but everybody has an assignment in some way, shape, or form. Hallelujah. And it, it, if you want the progress, the evidence to be uh, uh, coming forth in your life, you're going to have to start where you are. You're going to have to be diligent where you are. You're going to have to be faithful where you are and allow the work of God because it is an advancement. That's This word profiting means progress. It means advancement and it means increase. Profiting, progress, advancement, increase. He said that should be taking place because we're giving ourselves wholly to the things of God. We're being diligent to these things. We're cultivating these things. We are habitually practicing these things. You know, Romans chapter 1 verse 17 uses a phrase from faith to faith. It's from one level of faith. It's talking about going to an advanced level of faith. Always increasing in that level. Always always going up a notch. Amen? Amen? Talking about that profiting. Talking about that advancement. Uh, this... This phrase that your profiting may appear unto all could also be defined to move from one degree of usefulness to another. That to one from one degree of usefulness, are we useful for the kingdom? Are we useful for the king? Are we useful? And then can we be more useful? Can I come to a place where he says, now I need you here? Yeah. Because you've shown yourself faithful here. Where was Elisha when Elijah was sent to find him? 
He had his hands to the plow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where was Joshua before he became the leader? He was serving Moses. So we recognize that this profiting appearing to all is about my usefulness. It's about my ability to be used. Now, go to 2 Timothy and let's look at chapter 2 and verse 20. But in a great house, are we in a great house? The house of the Lord? The house of our Father God? In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, or we could say clay, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. So it's not up to God to choose whether you are an honorable vessel or a dishonorable vessel. It's up to you and I. We are the ones who choose what sort of vessel we are. Are we an honorable vessel? Well, that depends if we have purged ourselves from these things that would cause us to be dishonorable. So he says, purge, if a man therefore purge himself from these, we're talking about moving from one degree of usefulness to another degree of usefulness. If a man would purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. Every one of us should set this as our objective. I want to be meat for the master's use. And that word is not talking about M-E-A-T. It's talking about capable. I want to be capable of being used by God. I want to be qualified to be used by God. I want to be found faithful to be used by God. Worthy to be used by God. So purging ourselves from these it says, you will be a vessel of honor, set apart, sanctified, and capable for the master to use, and prepared unto every good work. So is God, are we waiting on God? Or is God waiting on us? This is our, our responsibilities. So let's just talk about a couple of these. I just want to give some examples. Verse 4 in this same chapter mentions one. It says... Uh, that no man that entangles himself with the affairs of this life, no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life so that he may please him whom he has chosen to be a soldier, who has chosen him to be a soldier. So being entangled in the affairs of life would disqualify, would, would take a person away from giving themselves wholly and completely to the assignment of God. Hallelujah. So there's a warning there not to get entangled with the affairs of life. Another example is in verse 14 where it says, Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. And we'll look at the Amplified to help us. 
uh, because subverting of the hearers is kind of cloudy. So the Amplified says, Remind the people of these facts and solemnly charge them in the presence of the Lord to avoid petty controversy over words, which does no good but upsets and undermines the faith of the hearers. So striving, petty controversies, avoid it. Avoid the petty controversies. If, if someone wants to come and, and argue, you know, do you, do you baptize in the name or in the Trinity? Or the titles, the name or the titles. We used to get that, that how do you baptize? Hallelujah. And so I, I love how in water, <laughs> Pastor, Pastor, he's just started saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus. And we just got it all covered right there, <laughs> which is the name, because the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and in the name of Jesus. So we've covered all the bases. And, but you know what? It becomes a controversy. It, that people making dividing lines over things that are hurting uh, the, the, those who may not have a, a foundation. It's hurting more people because of that controversy than it's helping. Amen? So he says, avoid it. He says to not to enter into that controversy. Another example of things is in verse 19. Uh, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are His. Uh, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. Whose responsibility is it to make that departing step? And so that means we guard our fellowship. That means we guard our fellowship. We flee youthful lust. Verse 21 called us sanctified, which means we're set apart. Hallelujah. So there are some places I don't go. I'm not going to attend a, a, a beer and hymns. I don't need to have a beer with my amazing grace. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a set-apartedness, a sanctification, a departing from iniquity, a recognizing I don't need to watch that, I don't need to listen to that, I don't need to have that argument, I don't need to enter into that controversy, I don't want to be identified with that, and I don't want that in my spirit. There are things, I, I remember at one point, and this was probably about 12, maybe 14 years ago, that the Lord dealt with me about a murder mystery. It was a, it was a weekly, um, sit, not a sitcom, a weekly, a weekly show, but it was about murder and, you know, investigating these murders. And the Lord dealt with me that I didn't need to watch it. It wasn't sinful, it wasn't cussing, it wasn't... Uh, in uh, nudity or anything like that, but it was murder. And God dealt with me about separating myself from that. And what would happen is I found myself one time in prayer and the mystery of how that plot had played out came up in my mind. And I thought, I don't want that here while I'm trying to pray. And I don't want the fear that comes in with all of those recreations in my heart. And so I began... To, to take that out, of, I, I began to, to turn that, nope, I'm not going to watch that. I had like watched every one of the show's episodes that had ever come out, you know, and you know, uh, nope, I'm going to cut that out of my life. 
And at first it was a part of, well, I wanted to find out what was going to happen next week and what's going to happen in the, you know, the cliffhanger at the end of the season. And I had to recognize that was my natural um, appetite because I'd been feeding on that. And I, my curiosity wanted to know, but it's not profitable for me in eternity for me to give my attention to that. Hallelujah. Those are areas of, of individual things that the Holy Spirit will deal with us about because He's trying to take us into more. He's trying to prepare us for something of spiritual importance. And if there are things that are going to sabotage us, then we need to uh, follow Him and trust Him that those things are, are worthy to be cut off. Amen? And so He says, guard your fellowship by departing from iniquity. Hallelujah. I will remind you that 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupts good manners. Evil communication corrupts good manners. That is in the scripture. And so that is uh, for us to take heed that there is a departing. So we're talking about this profiting and this uh, promotion. And so let's move back over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 4 and 15. Again, meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear unto all. Sometimes the profiting is a promotion to another assignment. Not necessarily all the time. A person should not go into, for example, youth ministry and say, well, I'm just doing youth ministry uh, as a stepping stone into something more. Or I'm just doing children's ministry. There are some people who have the gift of children's ministry. They are, they are assigned to it. That is their forte. That is what God has equipped them with. Amen? Uh, youth ministry, different things. So not, we should never look at any of those as just stepping stones. Well, I'm just doing this until this comes along. But there are plenty of times that we may be faithful in that one area and God says, now I need you to be uh, moved over, promoted to another area. And we see an example of this in Acts chapter 13. Verses 1 and 2, we see the Apostle Paul, uh, who is referred to here as Saul. Uh, Acts chapter 13. Hallelujah. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Separate Barnabas and Saul for the work, for the work whereunto I have called them. Well, the fact that the first verse already identified they were standing in the office of either prophet or teacher, it says there were in the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers so here is Barnabas and Saul who are already in an assignment, already in a work of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit 
identifies a greater separation. The Holy Spirit points out that there needs to be a setting apart, setting them into a new assignment, the work whereunto I have called them. So they were already doing a work, but there was a work that God had in mind that he was, they were being promoted to. He had called them into this, this uh, higher assignment or this next assignment or, or this next phase of their ministry. Many of us have followed the teaching of Brother Hagen, and I was helped by him being transparent, telling us how the Lord had come to him in a vision and said to him that you have entered into your... He he identified your first phase of ministry, that that first 12 years in pastoring, he, he said, well, what have I been doing if that wasn't my... I've been pastoring for 12 years, and I'm just now entering into the first phase of ministry well that all that time the Lord was preparing him but the Lord said I never called you to pastor but he had been pastoring for 12 years but that wasn't what God had assigned him it took him that long to get the the foundation for what God was trying to move him into hallelujah this is the uh, the the area of being spiritually yielded and sensitive to recognize where I am and where he's trying to put me where I am and am I am I hitting the target Lynn Hammond said that when brother Hagen would come and minister at their church that they would have prayer in the mornings that he would teach on prayer and then he would pray And she said, when he started to pray, I got really close to him because I wanted to hear how Brother Hagin prayed. And she said, I thought it was interesting that often I would hear him say something like, Lord, I'm scheduled to be in Boston for three weeks, but if you want to change that schedule, let me know. This is what I have planned, but if you have something different for me, I'm available, I'm open, change, I'm here for you to adjust my calendar, I'm, and And another thing that Sister Pat Harrison said uh, when she was asked, is there one thing that your father did that you remember that he did often and regularly in his ministry? And she said at the beginning of every year, he would set all of his plans out that he had currently had and said, Lord, what do you want to change? What do you want to change? And that if you don't bring up the conversation, sometimes... It doesn't have, he doesn't have an inroad to adjust anything. Amen. When Brother Keith Moore, he said there was a lot of people that were investing in a certain investment and it looked legitimate. A lot of Christian people that he knew were solid people had invested in this investment uh, that, was, that was around. And he said, I thought maybe I should invest in it because I trusted all these other people who were putting their money in it. And he said, the day I was supposed to meet with that person and give them our money to invest in that, I asked the Lord that morning, Lord, do you haven't said anything to me about this. Do you have anything to say? And he said, when I opened up the conversation... The Lord had an opportunity. The Lord said, I have never given you any indication to trust that person. And he said, if I had not 
ask the question. God would not, he's a, God is a gentleman. He's a gentleman. And he's not going to force his opinion or his, uh, say his opinion because God's opinion is truth. It's not opinion like we would say opinion, but he's not going to force it. it we have to in, invite the conversation. That's why it says acknowledge him in all your ways. And then he will direct, which is also defined unbend. If you acknowledge him, he'll unbend your path. You might be walking on a crooked path and not even know it. But if, if you don't acknowledge him, he doesn't have any open conversation to bring correction to it. That's why we've got to learn how to come to him about, about specifics and acknowledge him in it. This is what I'm doing. What do you think about it? This is how the direction I'm taking. How would you, is there anything you want to say to me about it? So acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will unbend or direct your paths. Straighten them out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This following the plan of God, they were in the presence of the Lord. They had come together for the purpose of ministering to the Lord and fasted. So that tells us it was more, it was it, at least one meal for you to fast. It's got to be at least, you know, a half a day. Who knows? We don't know exactly how long they were there in the presence of the Lord for the purpose of ministering to the Lord, being in a place where they could hear Him, where He could speak, where He had their attention. Hallelujah. As they ministered, the Holy Ghost said, it's in those atmospheres, in those moments where we have trained our attention upon Him, where we have, have learned to give Him our focus. It's in those atmospheres that the Holy Spirit can speak to us because He has our attention, because He has our ear. We've got our ear inclined to Him. We're listening. We're, we're listening with our spirit, not just trying to, to work through a, a prayer time, not just trying to, to clock in with a devotional time, but, but saying, I want your input. I want to hear from you. I want to minister to you and I want to receive from you. And as they were doing that, the Holy Spirit said, separate Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter two. Second Kings chapter two. There's something here in the interaction between the sons of the prophet and Elijah that I want us to consider. Often when we, Elisha, often when we look at this in 2 Kings chapter 2, we are focusing on the conversation between Elijah and Elisha because this was the transfer of the assignment. This was where Elijah, who had walked as the prophet of the land, the God's assigned man of God to represent, he is in transition, and Elisha is his servant. 
Remember, we talked about the fact last week that when the king called for Elisha, they said, here, we, we, we do have one person who can hear from God. It's Elisha who poured water on Elijah's hands. That it was honorable for him to be recognized for how he had served the man of God who walked in that office before him. Amen? But uh, when we're looking at this today, I want to look at this conversation because it's listed here multiple times for a reason. So when we look, I want us to, to read beginning in verse 2. Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. So the opportunity was given and even encouraged for you to stay here. And Elisha said, I will not leave you. Verse 3, And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away your master from your head today? And he said, Yes, I know. Hold ye your peace. And Elisha Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Notice again, this sons of the prophets in verse 5, the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away your master from your head today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And the two went on. And the fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And the two, Elijah and Elisha, stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it together, smote the waters, and they were divided here and there so that the two went over on dry, dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I will do for you before I be taken away from you. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you shall see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And I so appreciate how Prophet Ford last week brought out the emphasis that the Chaldean has on that verse, if you will see as I see. Is that how it reads, sir? If you will see as I see. Hallelujah. And we identified in our teaching last week that the anointing is not going to profit for a different use. For Elisha to have a double portion of what was on Elijah, he had to carry the same vision. He had to have the vision that was on the original assignment because the anointing is for the vision. It's 
not for the man, it's for the purpose. It's for the assignment. The anointing on this house cannot be used for another use. We can't take the anointing on this house and try to do something other than building faith and framing worlds by the word of God because it will not prosper or profit outside of its use. And so he said, for you to receive a double portion of what's on me, you're going to have to have the vision I've walked in. You're going to have to see the way I see. You're going to have to see what God showed me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the fact that he refused to leave him, every time he said, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. I will not leave you. There was that holy committed that giving himself wholly to the assignment that was on his man of God. The assignment that God had given Elijah, he was committed to it by following with Elijah, by staying with Elijah, by keeping pace with Elijah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But notice, as I mentioned, the conversation that these sons of the prophets in each of these places came to him and, and they wanted to prophesy. They were people who had the gift of prophecy. They, had, they were sons of the prophets. They were learning and developing in their gift. They were in a process where it, they were uh, being trained for the ministry, trained for the things, but they didn't want to have the same commitment that Elisha had. They didn't want to have that same responsibilities that Elisha had. They didn't want to have that same set-apartedness that Elisha had. Elisha, he said, close, looking right alongside. If be there. If my pastor's working on that assignment, I'm working on that assignment. Pastor's at church, I'm going to be at church. I, well, I'm, I'm there because I'm committed to the vision. I want to be a part of what's going on and I want to be a diligent part. I want to be a faithful part. I want to be uh, in that same uh, 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 discipline and diligence. Hallelujah. Well, the sons of the prophets, they had a gift, but they didn't get any promotion. They didn't make any progress. They weren't giving themselves completely. They were watching from afar. They were standing off and watching from afar. And listen, this is not a spectator sport. Church is not a spectator sport. When we come together in these atmospheres, it is to, to download spiritual information and strength and, uh, and anointings so that when I go out into my week, I go out fully supplied, loaded, armed, and dangerous to the work of the enemy, but strengthened for the plan of God. Amen? I go out with the vision. I walk out of these doors and I'm building faith all week long. Not just on Wednesday, not just on Sunday. I'm a faith builder on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And, and we're, we're faith builders wherever we are, at the gas station, at the Walmart. Amen? And so these sons of the prophets, they had uh, information that came spiritually, but they didn't have a discipline to uh, uh, move any further in that which they had developed. Look at verse 15. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, 
they said the spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. They weren't treating him that way before, were they? They were kind of uh, thumping his chest like a peer to peer before. But because of his uh, discipline and commitment to the vision, the, pl- the power of God, the mantle had fallen to him. And now he has taken a position and a responsibility as leader. And they, uh, although they had gifts, they did not have the, the um, development to take that next step. But how did that development come? I will not leave you. I will not leave you. The faithful man shall abound with blessings. The faithful man shall abound with blessings. Let's look uh, at Psalm 106. And this is my first close. I get three if I need them. Psalm 106, verse 13. And I will want this in the Amplified, please, sir. Psalm 106 and verse 13 says, They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. They forgot his works and they waited not for his counsel. The Amplified says, They hastily forgot his works and they did not earnestly wait for his plans to develop regarding them. They did not earnestly wait for his plans to develop. As we walk out the assignment of God, there are some things that development is required. And we've got to have that patience in walking out the plan. Patience in walking out the assignment. Diligence in the the office or the responsibility that I currently stand in. Because if I'm not faithful here, I won't be given anything more if I haven't gained a faithfulness here. If I don't have a faithfulness in the first thing that he told me to do, why would he give me any other instructions or any other assignment? Amen? Hallelujah. And it says the plans developing. The plans developing. Would we say that Moses got ahead of God when he went out and killed the Egyptian that was mistreating the Israelite and then had to run away and lived in the desert for 40 years until the burning bush experience? Would we say that he missed because he wanted to get out and rush things? Sure, I I think there was a prompting in him. I think there was a recognition of something that God had called him to do. But he wanted just to go out and make it happen. He wanted to just go out and make his ministry happen, make that assignment come to pass without going and letting the plan of God develop regarding him. One of the saddest examples would be Saul. Saul was anointed by God and given a responsibility and given a position, the highest position in the kingdom as the king of God's people. Before him, it was God. God said, I want to be your king. And the the people had had just really 
begged God and, and pushed and finally God said, okay, it's not my perfect will, but I will find a king for you. And he found Saul. And Saul in the beginning was little in his own eyes, humble in his own estimation. But somewhere along the way, it became more important to him to have the people behind him than to have God behind him. And he disobeyed God. And he, in that disobedience, lost the plan of God for his life. Not allowing the plan of God to develop. He got in a hurry. He got in a hurry. Samuel said, I was coming. Why did you step out of your office? Because he was anointed to be king. He was not anointed to offer a sacrifice. Samuel said, I was coming. But he said, even when he was confronted, he said, well, at least go out and stand in front of the people with me so I don't look bad. So I don't look bad. Do you see the assignment of God, the plan of God, the will of God that was aborted, that was set aside because of an area that he did not sanctify and give himself completely to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David wasn't perfect, but when he missed it, he repented. When he missed it, he repented. And he put himself in a position where God, in in most cases, was able to, to restore. There were some areas of his disobedience, that there were repercussions in his life and things that, that, that occurred uh, that were the natural repercussions of his disobedience. So God is faithful to us to help us as much as he can in the areas when we miss it. The key is be willing to repent. I have... a. Uh, Three scriptures to leave you with. Psalm 143, second close. 143.10. This is one for you to put in your heart and in your mouth. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Hallelujah. It's appropriate for us to pray that. It's appropriate, and I'll tell you, it's necessary at times. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God, your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Another scripture is in Hebrews 13, verse 20 through 21. And I want this in the Amplified, if you could switch over to Hebrews 13, 20 in the Amplified version. It begins by saying, may the God of peace, and I want to pick it back up where it says strengthen. May the God of peace strengthen, complete, and perfect, and make you what you ought to be. 
I not only have prayed that for myself, but I pray that for you. That the God of peace would strengthen, complete, and perfect and make you what you ought to be and equip you with everything good that you may carry out His will. If we need Him to complete and perfect and make us what we ought to be and equip us in order for us to carry out His will, then we need to be in a position to receive that equipping. Amen? While He Himself works in you and accomplishes that which is pleasing in His sight through Christ Jesus. So God wants to work in us. And then finally, Psalm 138.8 says, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Hallelujah. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Hallelujah. Put those in your heart and in your mouth and speak those out into your... Program your spirit for that. Program your spirit for that. We have to take heed to the ministry. We have to answer the call. We have to be diligent in those areas. And we have to recognize the importance. Every assignment has importance. Every member of the body has a part to play. My little toe is important to me. It has a... a, uh, I need it. And I value its operation in my life. You may never see my little toe. But if it was hurting, I would know it. And I would recognize, I want, my, I want my toe. I need my toe. I like the balance that it brings to my life. Every member in the body, while maybe not everyone is behind the pulpit, everyone has a part to play. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. offering i'm not i'm not going to re-preach anything but uh you know michelle was saying something about um you know growing in these things growing and developing ministry is progressive with a narrowing goal and meaning that when you start out in ministry i've, I've done everything in the church i've held every job in the church i've been uh uh, usher, greeter, sound man, uh, children's pastor, youth pastor, young adults pastor, uh, praise and worship leader, played the bass, played the drums, played the guitar, uh, did it all. And uh, now people say that's because you grew up in ministry. Well, no, that, that was because God was preparing me for something. You know, if you were raised in church, if that's all you know, understand God was preparing you for something from the very beginning. That's not an accident, right? Well, when God first spoke to us uh, about the vision and the call on our life, and I was sitting there in that little apartment we had in in, uh, Redbridge, Missouri, just down the road from Grandview, Missouri, Kansas City Metro, and uh, I was sitting there uh, on that little love seat we had, and and I was studying, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, the vision for your life and ministry is to build people's faith and frame their worlds by the Word of God. Now, you got to understand that just uh, a couple years previous, two or three years previous, we had really got a hold of Brother, he- Brother Copeland's ministry. 
because uh, the pastor of the church that we were with when we lived in Nashville had left the church and, and just pretty much told me, well, you just do what you can do. <laughs> oh, I never pastored. I mean, uh, I didn't know how to pastor people. You know, the only thing I knew to do was preach. And so uh, uh, the people, you know, little by little they left. They didn't have a pastor. I had not moved into that gift yet. Uh, but we, boy, we had a Bible study. And it was me and Michelle and a family uh, named the Wallers, W-A-L-L-E-R, Mary Waller, Cobby Waller, and their son, Mike. <laughs> Cobby, you can tell where we were, Tennessee. And, uh, uh, and uh, so another couple of the Harrises, Pat and, and Terry Harris, they came. Well, anyway, we had that Bible study for about a year, and they would come to our house on Sunday mornings. We would go to one of their houses on Wednesday and, and here's what I did, honest to goodness. I watched the believer's voice of victory every day and took notes and preached what Brother Copeland was preaching. That's what I did. Amen. And uh, when the Lord uh, moved us to Kansas City, Pastor Michelle went ahead of me, and I, I took the bus uh, uh, a few weeks later. And uh, a lady at that Bible study came up, and uh, she gave me a tape series by Brother Copeland called Establishing Your Heart on the Word of God. It was from the London Victory Campaign. This is a lot of years ago. And it was all about Psalm 112. And uh, she had some money in it too, so that made it even more enticing. But in any event, the point is, is I took that tape series and I listened to those tapes till I broke them. I wore them out. I, j I wore them out. And I'm telling you this for a reason, because that became my foundation. God was building a foundation of the word of faith on the inside of me. And then he said, now here's what the vision for your ministry is, is to build people's faith and frame their worlds by the word of God. Well, I didn't know how I was going to do that. I told him, I said, I'm so broke, I can't get around the corner. How am I, I going to build people's faith when I, I mean, I'm learning this myself. Well, here's, here's what happened. An opportunity opened up for us to be part of the ministry staff at a church. And I started off in that church being the sound man, just running the sound. Pastor Michelle was cleaning the bathrooms. But then the opportunity came to minister, and the opportunity came to be the youth pastor, and the opportunity came to, to, to minister. Eventually, I moved into this position of being the assistant pastor, and I stayed there for a number of years. Well, here's what's happening. As you use your gift the anointing begins to increase. The knowledge begins to increase. An unused gift, an unused uh, anointing will just dissipate. But the more pressure you put on it, the more it grows. And so I'm, I'm hurrying. So you fast forward a number of years. This was after a number of years. We took the pastorate there in DeSoto in Kansas. And uh, one night I was praying, a Monday night prayer meeting, I was laying under the grand piano we had at the time and I was laying underneath it and the Lord spoke to me I'd been there five years I'd been pastoring five years and he said what does the number five represent and I said Lord it, it represents grace and here's what he said to me he said uh, uh how long were the other two pastors here and I said five years they were they were here five years apiece and here's what he said to me he said I gave each of them five years to do what I'm asking you to do and he said, now I've given you five years. And he said, will you do it or do I need to get somebody else? And I said, I'll, I'll do it. 
Well, evidently we've done it because we've been pastoring now for almost 23 years. But the point that I'm making is this, is that God will ask you to do something. But there's a response needful on our part. Because it doesn't mean he won't get somebody else. But here's the thing. Whatever he's asked me to do, when I stand before Christ, I will stand responsible for what he asked me to do, even though somebody else might get the reward for what I didn't do. I don't want to stand before Christ and somebody else get the reward for what I was supposed to do. When God asked us to come here and minister in Little Rock and start the church, I was praying back in the youth room one afternoon, and, uh, and, and, and I was praying, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't mind doing this, but why are you asking us? And he said something to me. He said, because you and Michelle will always do what I ask you. And he said, I ask other people, and they wouldn't do it. And I asked him specifically what he meant. And he said, I have asked others to start a Word of Faith church in this city, and they won't do it. So I need you to do it. So here we are. Amen. And the anointing is increasing. Amen. I believe that with all of my heart. So whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, worship, usher, greeter, Whatever it is, that may not be your permanent assignment, but there's an anointing that's incubating in you while you're doing that that will, that will aid you in the gift that you're moving into. So, hallelujah.